to Beyond Well with Sheila Hamilton. This is a program for people who want to learn more about our interior lives. And often we check back in with Dr. Marissa Alert. Hey, Sheila. So happy to be here. It has been a trying year for many people. And now many Americans are being forced back into quarantine, back into some of the bad behaviors that we didn't want to have to deal with in the first place. Marissa, all of the things that we were all enjoying, like restaurants and being with friends again, limited, but being able to somewhat go out in our communities have now been stripped back away. It's tough. Uh, You get a little taste of quote unquote freedom and some sense of normalcy and then it's taken away. Yeah. And so it's really difficult. And I know a lot of folks are going to struggle with that as well. You know, how do I get back to this quote unquote new normal, especially since you started moving into things that you did normally, right? And yeah. so it's definitely an adjustment period. Um, but the thing is that we've done it before. And so we have some idea of what it's like. So it's not entirely new you know, whereas it was when the pandemic started and things started locking down in March, like that was drastic. Not saying that this is going to be any easier, but we do have some experience to draw on. Yeah. I think it's fascinating though, that people are relying on that same fear-based response where they're buying up toilet paper and, you know, yes. acting as if the world <laughs> is coming to an end. And I'm a little like, did we learn anything or did we? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I want to talk about well-being during this time because I think it is so hard when the only person holding you responsible for your well-being right now is, mm-hmm. you know, for a lot of people, especially people living alone, is you. Give us some of the tenets that you live by for being able to develop some of the healthy skills that we know are better for us in the long run. Yeah, one of the things that I really stand strongly by and it's supported by research and just working with patients as well it's just being realistic. Like I can't stress that enough. And especially during times when things are stressful and we're dealing with changes that we're not ready for or we didn't anticipate, it's about being realistic. Taking a step back and asking yourself, given the circumstances right now, what can I actually do? Not what I hope to do, right? Too often we rely on our hopes and dreams when we think about just maintaining our health and our well-being, but don't really ask the question, okay, like what's actually realistic for me? given my circumstances. And I think that's really important. Another one too is just starting small, right? Thinking about things that you can maintain over the long run. Mm -hmm. And when I say starting small, I mean like really small, right? If you're thinking about like increasing your activity and we know physical activity can help with stress and boosting your mood, your coping in general, then if you've never been active, then start with one minute a day. You're not in it to win a competition for you know most steps walk. If you're doing that on Fitbit or some other app, great. But the idea is to think about consistency. What can I do that's gonna enable me to be consistent? You can start off with five minutes, two minutes, whatever works for you, right? The idea is that it should be so simple that it doesn't take a lot of effort. It doesn't take motivation because when we rely on those things, what happens when you don't feel motivated? Yeah, And you're right, stressed exactly. out, then you fall yeah. back to like, oh, I'm going to do it tomorrow. <laughs> I also think that it's it's very easy right now to get waylaid by the economic stress that people are feeling. Mm-hmm. Some of the things like, you know, young mothers with kids at home, I feel so, so badly for people trying to stay on a good eating and exercising routine oh, when yeah. they have all these extra bodies in the home 24 hours a day, mm-hmm. you know? Any advice for them, Marissa? Yeah, I think just getting back to, you know, the same, the same principle, like what's realistic right now. Yeah. Um, and I think it's hard for people to make that adjustment, right? Because especially if you're dealing with economic challenges, it requires you to pivot, 
right? Mm. Given my monetary constraints, given my budget that I'm currently on, given that I'm the sole breadwinner right now, what can I do? So maybe you're not, you, you definitely can't splurge. So maybe the focus then is on ensuring that there's enough fruits and vegetables and to focus on, yes, we're eating a lot more junk food or fast food because that's what's convenient at the moment. But how then do I insert these small changes and things that I can hold on to, right? And recognizing that your best is going to look very different depending on your circumstances. If you're making a ton of money, then you have a lot more choices. If you're not, you can still make healthy choices, but I think it's about being really mindful of what you're willing to do. And if you have kids, right? It's not as if you lay out there a plate of broccoli and they're going to be like, mm, delicious. <laughs> Unless it is covered in not cheese sauce. And then, you know, right. there are examples where it is delicious. I've talked before uh, with Dr. Polo, another doctor that is on our program about the locus of control and why it is so mm-hmm. crucial for people mm-hmm. to have a locus of control, especially when, when there are these external forces that are, you know, tugging at all of us. And I was thinking about that during COVID, that even if it is a very small thing that you can be in control of, it does help yes. set your mind so that you're not so freaked out about everything that you cannot control. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's something that goes for just about any situation that we're coping with, whether it's health related or not, or if it's something that we're dealing with personally or interpersonally it's really important to be grounded in this idea that I can only deal with things that I can control. I can focus on things I can't control, but to what benefit? Mm. And there's some people who find comfort in worrying and thinking about all the unknowns and all the uncertain things because they feel like they can plan for it. Mm. If I think about all the possible situations and things that can go wrong, then I can, I can deal with it. And we know that a large percentage of the things that we think about or we think are going to go wrong don't actually occur, but we don't, we don't remember that. We remember like the one time something went wrong and we thought about it. So I think it's really important to keep our focus on, okay, what can I change in this particular situation? What do I have control over? And there may be complicated situations where you have some control, but not entire control. And I think it's important for us to get really skilled at figuring and picking that out. Like we can't control what other people do, Mm -hmm. you know, during the second wave of lockdown and quarantining, but we can control how we cope. We can control how we respond to stress. We can, you know, we can control like our reactions to things. And so I think it's important to be mindful of that. If we shift our focus, you know, somewhere else, then it's going to be hard for us to feel as if we can do something about it. I also just think it's fascinating that I'm talking to you on Thanksgiving week when so many people are not able to gather and that has been their routine for, you know, the past mm-hmm. 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And people feel so robbed of the experience. But really, yeah. if we get down to the business of what gratitude is all about, it's not about having a lot of people in your home. It's about knowing that you have the love of those people. Absolutely. And so any other thoughts Marissa, about this week in particular, about psychological well-being, because many people feel very, very cheated. Yeah, I, the reframe that you just provided, Sheila, is so powerful because, again, it's thinking about how do we look at things differently? How do we take another perspective? And I think that cognitive flexibility, meaning that you're able to look at things this way, and if I can't, then that means that all is not well. Yeah. And so you're, you're reframing and thinking about, you know, at least I have people I know who love and care for me, right? Yeah. I understand that I may not be able to meet with them right now, but 
if I do stay home, if I don't travel, then that will allow all of us to stay safe so that I can oh. see them at a later time. Yeah. Um, and I think just taking that perspective and there are other things to be thankful for, right, um, can be really helpful. Have you had to talk with many of your patients about how they can communicate their desire to stay healthy and this sacrifice for the greater good who are having difficulty with other people in their families who, who may be more um, disbelieving of the science and disbelieving of the idea of quarantine? Yeah, so I haven't encountered that, not seen patients at the time, but one of the things that I have mentioned to patients in the past is just being really clear about what their boundaries are. Mm -hmm. um, and I think once they're able to convey that in a way where it's not as if you're shaming the other person for not believing the science or you're trying to put them down in order to make a point, but just really being firm and assertive in terms of what your boundaries are, that you need to do what's best for you and that you understand that they may have other options, but you respectfully decline and just stay firm in that without feeling the need to be like, I can't believe you guys don't believe this. And are you crazy? Like what's wrong with you? Yeah. And just, you know, what this would look like is, you know, I really enjoy meeting with you guys. It's going to be really tough this year, but for me, it's really important that I stay home and that I adhere to the right, you know, the recommendations yeah. so that for my own safety and well-being, I can see you guys later next year in another family event. Um, I want to ask you, Marissa, because um, you're, you're so good at these guidelines for healthy eating and exercise and uh, proper sleep, but during the holiday season especially, I think it probably kicks off for a lot of people the week before Thanksgiving when they're surrounded by even more too many snacks, even more too many you know, beautiful mm -hmm. pies and sweets. And so what kind of advice do you give to people where they are not really beating them up Selves up quite so much about the additional sugar and the additional fat that comes along with the holidays. You know, this is something that is pretty common, right? From before Thanksgiving, around Thanksgiving, up until the new year, it's yeah. just the feast fest. There are a lot of yummy foods available um, before there are a lot of gatherings. Um, and that social component often makes it really hard for people to say no, right? Mm -hmm. There are holiday parties that people attend. And I think with um, COVID-19, there's going to be a lot less of that. But regardless, there's going to be an abundance of food because it's the holidays. Mm. And so I think people should, you know, give themselves permission to enjoy themselves, mm -hmm. but within reason. And so if you know, too, that you, if you eat one sliver of a pie, then you're going to want the entire pie <laughs> or even more slices, then thinking about how do I control for that? Right. I don't want to deprive myself because that can lead to overeating and overindulgence later on. But how can I set limits? Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm gonna have someone else serve me the pie. I'm gonna have my husband or my, you know, family, you know, member I live with serve it to me because I want it and they're gonna put it away. Uh -huh. Um, and so I think just there are little things that we can do so that we don't feel deprived, but we can still enjoy it and not to beat ourselves up like there's nothing wrong with eating a piece of cake having yeah. a piece of pie, having sweets. I think the thing that's difficult is how we respond when we do eat these foods. And if you're going to beat yourself up and you know, you're going to feel a lot of shame and guilt, then I think that emotion that you experience afterwards is what's really detrimental. Yeah, boy, you just said it. You know, it, it um, occurs to me that being able to employ the help of other people, asking your husband to put the pie away, asking your friend to keep, you know, on you about how much you drink or having a buddy is so beneficial. But mm -hmm. speak to me about the people who are alone. What, what are some of the things that you tell them around how to be your own buddy in this endeavor? Yeah, and I, th I think, um, and that's a really good point too, is that 
not everyone is going to be able to have a support system or if they attempted to the folks that they relied upon have not provided you know consistent accountability or support to them so the question is what exactly do you do in those situations i think it's important to have a plan and understand okay what am i going to be cooking i have control over the foods that i'm going to be making okay so i really love sweets is there something that i can do where i can make like a mini cake <laughs> or a mini cupcake <laughs> yeah. that's awesome um, yeah so that i'm not if i do the whole thing that i know i'm going to eat and so mm. I think it's important for us to know ourselves, to be honest with ourselves, and to also be okay with giving ourselves permission to enjoy things, right? Yeah. But within limit. Yeah. And if I, for me, like I have a massive sweet tooth, mm. I am going to confess Same. that. Mm. <laughs> Terrible. If you cut half the pie for me, I may just eat it all. <laughs> and so my thing is like, I'm not going to bake an entire pie. Like I've learned yeah. to make things in smaller Small portions. Small doses. Yeah, that's right? good. So that, Smart. Yeah. I'm not um, doing that. Marissa, th through the new year, I know that many people try to like set an, a new intention or a new goal for themselves or getting in better shape or, you know, mm -hmm. being a better partner or whatever. But I'm curious how you feel about New Year's resolutions and whether we wouldn't be better off if we were all just sort of tweaking the engine all along the way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think a lot of people are fascinated with the idea of like a new year, a new beginning, you know, yeah, probably heard like new year, new you. Or, yeah. And so I don't think there's anything wrong. I think what's problematic is that people often take the wrong approach mm. to setting resolutions. And again, I can't emphasize enough, like when we're starting new behaviors, regardless of it's you know, if, if it, it's just January 1st versus June 1st, yeah, it's that we need to have a plan. And you probably heard a smart goal setting where you're being really specific about what you want to achieve. Mm -hmm. You're having things in place that you can measure so you can have a sense of your progress and also setting time limits around what you want to achieve. So yeah, if people want to lose weight, then saying I want to lose weight is not a great goal. Mm. When are you going to lose weight? How much weight do you want to lose? Yeah. Um, by when do you want to achieve this goal and being realistic about it? Another thing that people often forget is the why. Why are you setting this resolution? Mm -hmm. Is it because everyone is trying to lose weight at the beginning of the year or is this something that's important to you? Mm -hmm. And oftentimes when we pursue goals that are not important to us, when trials come, when we fall off track, it's hard to get back on the bandwagon because we don't really have a clear sense of why we're pursuing it anyway. Right. And I see that a lot for people trying to change their healthy eating habits. So I want to eat more kale. Why? You don't like kale. <laughs> why are you yeah. trying to eat more kale? <laughs> I know that what happens for a lot of people is that they feel like, oh my gosh, I've done so well. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, oh, Thursday, I had a friend come over. That wasn't such a great night. Friday, I really went off the wagon. Who, who even cares by Saturday? I've kind of given mm -hmm. up. So ha ha what kind of encouragement can you give people if they do get these little knocked off days or even you know weeks where they're not really following what they had intended for themselves? Oh yeah. I love talking about setbacks. And yeah. Too often people start off their health journey or when they're hitting the reset button, they forget that setbacks are inevitable. Mm -hmm. Life is unpredictable and things are not always going to go our way. Like that's a guarantee. Mm -hmm. And so when we're starting, I think it's important to keep in mind that things are going to fall off track. I may feel down and that's okay, but what's my plan to get back on track? If something goes wrong, asking myself, okay, what went wrong? Why did it go wrong? And what can I do differently? Mm. I think when we start from this place of acceptance in that, you know what, I'm going to begin this journey. 
um, I'm going to fall off track and not to sound like all doom and gloom, but just taking a realistic perspective. Yeah. And so knowing that I'm going to fall off track and looking back at my experiences and seeing that there's been a number of occasions where I fell off track, how then do I do better this time around? Mm. Um, and I think just taking that approach can allow us to be a lot more forgiving of ourselves. Be like, all right, okay, all right. I know it's going to fall off track, but things got rough from Thursday to Sunday. It's Monday, it's Tuesday. Yeah. What can I do? What's fascinating to me, Marissa, is that so many people make a resolution around a physical change that they want uh, to have better skin or lose more weight or, or have flatter abs. And I keep thinking that we have flip-flopped the, what's really important because wouldn't it be much more important to have kind of control of your inner world, your hmm. interior world about why these things are are super important to you. Who do you love that you want to stay alive for and healthy for? You know, like, have you ever yes. talked to people about that? Like fix the brain first and then right. let's deal yeah. with the body. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I think it's getting back to our why. Um, yeah. Usually in sessions, it's, it's okay if you want to lose weight, but why are you losing weight? Is it because like you're trying to deal with the internal struggles that you're having? Mm -hmm. You have low self-esteem, you're dealing with anxiety and depression, and your belief is that if you look a certain way, mm -hmm. then that's going to deal with the internal issues that you're right. facing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I think as a clinician, digging and asking why and encouraging people to really question the things that they're doing so that mm -hmm. they have insight into why they're behaving the way that they are. And so getting a clear sense of is what I'm doing in line with my values mm -hmm. is really important. Um, and also getting a sense of, you know, is there work that could be done that would allow me to achieve this similar outcome without right. me having to lose weight. Right. So I want to yeah. be happier. That's yeah. my ultimate goal. Like yeah. I want to feel more fulfilled, yeah. but I'm going about that by trying to eat kale and do things I don't really like or find mm -hmm. rewarding. So how am I going to feel fulfilled if I'm not doing things that are in line with me feeling fulfilled? Yeah. And I think it's easy to get confused because we're bombarded by messages about how we should look and how we should feel, mm. but not bombarded with messages about how we go about doing that inner work. I always tell my friends who have been on multiple uh, diets to maybe try a session of therapy first, like just, just go in for three or four and see what you learn about yourself, about why mm -hmm. this is a revolving door of this particular issue. And inevitably they come back and they're like, oh, I wish I had done that 10 years ago, <laughs> you know, because they start uncovering some of the unhealthy patterns that they had mm -hmm. around, you know, maybe a parent who would soothe them with food when they were right. sick or when they were sad. And, and then they're finally, once the brain gets caught on what the problem is, then they're able to actually put it into motion, what they want to do differently. So it's a right, big, right. big encouragement of mine, and I hope you hear it today. Marissa, it's been so wonderful to have you on our team, and I'm just so excited for the year ahead of us. Let's hope for a vaccine and much yes. more time to exercise outdoors and gathering in person again. It has been wonderful to get to know you and bring your expertise into our program. Yeah, I mean, I love having these conversations with you. So thank you so much, Sheila. You bet. And if you love the program, please give us a thumbs up wherever you listen. I'm Sheila Hamilton. Make it a great day. <laughs>